Hello, hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 101. That's right. Episode 101 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Dreamer. Happy Saturday. Thank you all for joining me. I am proud to announce that I am COVID-free, or at least I think. It's been 11 days since my positive test, so we are good to go. want to thank those of you who sent me uh, some well wishes last week as I was getting through my mild COVID infection. As I said, it reaffirmed what I've thought all along about the virus, especially recently. A, the vaccines are great because my symptoms were quite mild. I can only imagine what they would have been if I were not vaxxed and boosted, as they say. And also, I mean the privilege, right? I was able to quarantine comfortably in a nice home, work my jobs like nothing had happened, and that's not the case for many people. Not the case for many people. So it was all right. Made it through. The isolation, the social isolation was really the hardest part for me. I didn't talk to myself too often. I I did worry that at one point I would devolve into just pacing around my room talking to myself like I used to do as a kid when I lacked friends. Uh, Fortunately, that did not happen. I was able to veg out and watch a lot of Sex in the City. That's right. I have not seen all of Sex in the City, but man, oh man, do I love it and do I have a lot of thoughts. Maybe I'll start a Sex in the City spinoff podcast. It really is it really is a groundbreaking show. I know that it kind of gets laughed at now and in just like that is met with very mixed reviews, but I mean this original show so groundbreaking not only having four very sexually active, you know, wealthy female characters in New York, but the actual storylines that they were involved in. I mean, Carrie, the protagonist, was involved in a cheating storyline and she was doing the cheating. So it was not only a cheating storyline being front and center, it was the protagonist being involved in the cheating and doing the cheating, and she's a woman as well. So, I mean, talk about groundbreaking, incredible show, I could talk about that all day long. But we are here to talk about sports, that's right, what's going on in the sports world. A couple of things I want to hit on this week, Uh, the first is the biggest story in LGBTQ sports. It spans the mainstream. Every outlet's written about this. The NCAA this week changed its rules for transgender participation. Uh, This would be a big story anyway, but of course, it's especially big this year because of Leah Thomas, the swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, the trans woman who's competing on the women's team, and she's put up some dominant times. So the NCAA announced this week they are changing its transgender policy effective immediately and here's the new policy transgender athletes participation for each sport will be determined by the policy set forth by each sports governing body so that means that every sport is basically on its own swimming for example leah thomas well it's all dependent on usa swimming's transgender policy and by the way they're working on it (laughs) Um, in the event that a sports national governing body has no policy, the NCAA says that the relevant international federation's policy will be followed. In the absence of an international federation policy, the NCAA will follow the established policy of the IOC for that sport, the International Olympic Committee. Uh, What is the IOC's trans policy? Well, it's also new. It was implemented last November. 
In a six-page document, the IOC outlined 10 principles, which it described as grounded on the respect for intentionally recognized human rights that sports competition should follow. It also said, and this is probably the biggest thing, it will no longer require athletes to undergo hormone-level modifications to compete. It will leave implementation up to the individual sports. So what does this mean in short? It basically means that, yes, the NCAA is updating its trans policy, but the NCAA is really punting this issue. I mean, they are not going with a blanket rule like they've had previously. The NCAA's old trans policy, which was developed in 2011, said that female trans athletes, for example, had to undergo at least one year of hormone therapy before they're able to compete in accordance to their gender identity. Leah Thomas's participation brought out a lot of that debate. Is the policy not stringent enough? Is it Does it reflect what we know now? Because again, it was implemented in 2011. Well, the NCAA did make some changes, but instead of owning those changes, they're basically punting on this issue. Uh, and they're really abdicating the leadership here that they are uniquely qualified to provide. I mean, that that's always been my thing when we talk about the NCAA's role in all this. They're one of the most recognizable athletic organizations, not just in the country, obviously, but the entire world. They have such a wide jurisdiction. They have such a big platform. They can really lead on this issue, but instead they're punting and they're saying, okay, this is going to now depend on each sports governing body. So you could have a situation, and granted, I'm not an expert on this. Oh, maybe it would have helped to get someone who is an expert. Maybe next week. But the way I understand it is if each sports governing body, let's just say, has a different policy, let's say that USA Gymnastics has a, a different policy than USA Swimming, then then that's that. You know, then then that's then that's the policy. Um, I think most of them are fairly in line with each other, but the NCAA just really kind of says pass. <laughs> you know, we're we're taking a pass on this one. Uh, we are not going to uh, have something uniform for ourselves. We're going to take a pass here. I mentioned that USA Swimming issued a statement as well this week, which really was a bunch of nothing. Uh, it said it supports inclusivity and competitive equity adding that it was doing its best to learn and educate ourselves on the appropriate balance in this space. So, as I mentioned, these changes are effective immediately. It's really unclear what these changes will fully entail. And as a result, a trans athlete like Leah Thomas is left in a tenuous position because the swimming season is going on in full force. The championships are in March, so not very far away, less than two months away. And she doesn't quite know what her future is going to be because USA Swimming says that they are working to learn and educate themselves on the appropriate balance in this space. Very nice. No human being actually says that phrase, you know, in this space. You can tell that's all just PR jargon. So we'll keep you updated on that, obviously. Uh, it's just it's just disappointing that the NCAA didn't have more foresight here. I mean, this really does seem kind of reactionary and panicky. I think it's good that they're changing the policy. I think it's needed because, again, the last one was in 2011. But th this is really the way you're going to do it. You say we're deferring the sports governing bodies and we're doing it effective immediately 
right now, no transitional period, no period to see exactly what would work, what wouldn't work. We're just going to do it now because we have to get this problem kind of off of us. And it's just, it's haphazard. It, it lacks a lot of foresight. And I think uh, pretty disappointing, this this overall shift, uh, which again, really just kind of leaves athletes' participation uh to each sports governing body, and we know that there can be a lot of variations with that. So the NCAA fails to lead, but one player in the NBA has led this week on LGBTQ issues, and that would be Celtics forward Grant Williams, who's in his third year with the team. Uh, Kind of a random transition, but stay with me here. Uh, I mentioned that because the Celtics held their fourth annual Pride Night at the Garden this past Wednesday, and a little behind the scenes here, at Outsports historically... We have covered these Pride Nights, and it's been great to see seemingly every team in the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball have some sort of Pride or LGBTQ theme night. Uh, We've seen some NFL teams, including the Dolphins, have those this season as well. And that's great, but, you know, at this point in 2022, really asking the question, well, what more are you doing besides a Pride Night? Like, yes, you can put a Pride Night on the calendar, that's great, but... Are you doing anything else to show support for your LGBTQ fans, LGBTQ athletes, etc.? And one of the things that we've been trying to do at Outsports is getting a player to comment on LGBTQ pride. Like, you know, okay, nice. The Celtics are having their pride night, but just a story that says Celtics host pride night doesn't really carry a lot of impact in 2022. In order for these stories to carry the most impact and reach the largest number of people, it is important to get actual active athletes talking on the record about what LGBTQ equality means to them. And I'm happy the Celtics were able to fulfill our request. Uh, Grant Williams, I mentioned, is a third year forward out of Tennessee. Uh, He was excellent in our conversation. He has several out friends, including his best friend, Amanda, who's bisexual, and I thought he had some good quotes. I think that the best quote he gave me was about the importance of Pride Nights. Uh, He understands that it goes beyond rainbow-colored seats, trotting out an out person to sing the anthem. Uh, He says this, if a kid can come to a game and see they're not whatever word they were called called in the past, to feel the way that they feel, to think the way they think, it's one of those things where naturally they can not only grow, and be comfortable with themselves and who they are, but people in the community can embrace them. That's absolutely right. It is so valuable for a kid, a closeted athlete, let's say, to turn on the Celtics and go, oh my God, my favorite players, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all these guys are playing on Pride Night. It's great. You know, Williams also said, it's great to empower a community that's viewed as less so. It's the same with Black History Month. People question why we have that. It's something that's needed because then it makes you feel comfortable being around it rather than feeling away from it, rather than feeling like it shouldn't be a thing. And he talked about how he thinks there would be a gay player would be accepted, an out gay player he thinks would be accepted on the Celtics. The Celtics praised Jason Collins when he came out nine years ago now. He played with them before he signed on with the Nets in 2013. Uh, I have no doubt that the reaction would be warm. So it's it's all it's all important. And again, it's just especially important now that here at Outsports, we've had some success asking athletes to actually 
talk about what these issues mean to them. The Dolphins offered receiver Preston Williams, who spoke to Sid Ziegler over the fall, about his ties to the LGBTQ community. And, I mean, that's the thing that we forget about, too. Like, these athletes are people. They exist in the world. And just like every, you know, almost everybody else, they have gay friends in their lives, too. They have LGBTQ friends in their lives as well. And we spend so much time focusing on, you know, where are the out-athletes? Why don't the out-athletes speak about this? But allyship plays a really important role as well. And it's cool to see active players like a Grant Williams uh, take the time and speak eloquently about these issues and show that it's not a third rail. It's not something that you should be afraid to comment about or if you comment about it, you'll be labeled gay. I mean, come on, that's all stupid. We know that. And uh, it's powerful. It's powerful to see an active athlete a real actual player, comment like Williams did to me this week. Another story that we've been following, an international sports story that we've covered uh, extensively at OutSports and we've talked about quite a bit on the show, is the uh, problem with anti-gay slurs that that keep getting chanted at Mexico soccer matches. Uh, Mexico soccer fans for years have been chanting puto, at opposing players, it roughly translates to male prostitute in colloquial Spanish. And FIFA has tried so many ways to curtail this hate speech. They've banned Mexico fans from the stadiums. They've issued stern warnings. None of it has worked. Well, this week, the Mexican Football Federation announced that fans who are caught chanting anti-gay slurs at matches will be banned from stadiums for five years. Now... On the surface, that seems like a great thing, right? Yes, ban them for five years. But the problem, or the question with all of this stuff always is, well, how will it be implemented? Will everybody who chants puto be caught? If they are caught, will the Mexican Football Federation actually fall through and suspend them from stadiums, ban them from stadiums, rather, for five years? Well, hopefully, because it really is the only way to stop this. I mean, it's quite simple, right? The only way to stop bad behavior is to de-incentivize said bad behavior. And the best way to de-incentivize said bad behavior is to punish said bad behavior. So, go Mexico. Let's see if they follow through. And I also wanted to end on this note. Very happy to announce that at Outsports... We won the GLAAD Media Award for our coverage of LGBTQ athletes at the Summer Olympics. Uh, Our work was cited worldwide. It helped drive the conversation of inclusion in sports. Over 180 out athletes were gearing up for the Winter Olympics next month in Beijing. They kick off February 4th, just about two and a half weeks from now. Less, right? About two weeks. Yeah, Friday. Wow. Friday, February 4th. So about two weeks from now. The Winter Olympics kick off, uh, and we'll be here covering it. And it will be so interesting this year because just China. I mean, uh, U.S. outlets announced this week they're not sending journalists or broadcasters to Beijing. You have the human rights issues in China, the per- their, their maniacal pursuit of this zero-COVID policy. I mean, you thought that the COVID restrictions in Japan were strict. Well, I guess you've seen nothing yet until you know you get to Beijing and see what happens So the Olympics are always great stories for us, all the out-athletes competing and doing what they do on the world stage, and that's awesome. But there's just all of these geopolitical 
elements as well that will be really interesting to follow. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it on the show over the ensuing weeks. So thank you all for listening. If you have a show idea, guest idea, you can always feel free to get in touch with me. The best way is on Twitter. My DMs are open against my better judgment. You can send me a message at AlexStreamer1. That again is at AlexStreamer1. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next Saturday.